My book release day is quickly approaching, you guys, and I'd love, love, love for you to grab a copy. I know I'm not the only one who's ever thought, gosh, why can't I get it together? Or maybe put another way, I'm such a mess. I've really struggled with believing that everyone else has things figured out, whether that's at work or in relationships with others or in parenting or just following Jesus better. We can compare so many things in life, but there's hope for us, I promise. And I talk all about it in my new book. Go to jamieivy.com slash book to pre-order Why Can't I Get It Together? Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Welcome to the happy hour. So glad you're here. We have a great show in store for you today. Bree Clark joins me on the show today, and we talk about some things that I know all of us can relate to. We talk about imposter syndrome. And if you don't know what this is, you probably deal with it and just don't know. We also talk about how she was a journalist and the first African-American woman to ever sit on the anchor desk in 2015 in the entire state of Idaho. We talk about that. We talk about this pressure to perform and be perfect in journalism, how she fought that, how she overcame that. This podcast is full of encouragement for any of you guys who might be working in online spaces where in reality, a lot of us do a lot of life in online spaces. And sometimes you can get discouraging or harsh comments or feedback. And and Bree and I really talk about that. She is a, a wealth of information and resource full of encouragement. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. Guys, I want to tell you about a couple of things. Number one, uh, this last weekend, I was at Community Bible Church in San Antonio. Shout out to all you guys. Thanks for having me. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Second, I'm going to be in Monroe, Louisiana this weekend. If you're ever looking to wonder, where's Jamie going to be? If you go to my website, jamieivy.com, all the information's there. And if you're interested in bringing me in to speak, oh my gosh, I would be honored and love to. There's information there as well. You guys, my book is around the corner and I really fear (laughs) that you guys are going to be like, I'm so tired of hearing about your book, Jamie. Oh, I fear that so much. And yet at the same time, I know how many times I need to be told something. I know that some of you guys don't listen to every single episode. And so I want to talk about it every episode. And so please, 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 please know my heart. Um, and that my book that comes out in a couple of weeks, um, I'm talking about it in a lot of places on other podcasts, which is so fun. I just did an interview with my friend, Lisa Whittle for her podcast, Jesus Over Everything. And it comes out, I think maybe the first or second week of February. And it's just every time I have a conversation about the topics in this book, I feel so honored that God is allowing me to be in this space at this time to talk about them because they matter. This idea of feeling like, why can't I get it together? We feel it in so many different areas of our lives that it can feel overwhelming. It can feel exhausting. It can feel as though I cannot catch up. I cannot get myself together. And listen, friends, I by no means promise that when you close the last page of that book that you'll be like, well, I feel totally in control of my life. I'm never going to feel this way again. But what I can promise you is that there are going to be tools and ideas and concepts and scriptures in here to where when you start to feel that way again, you have a plan. You have a way to tackle it. You have um, things to meditate on. You have things that you might need to adjust in your life. And so this book is very special to me. It's very personal. Uh, and so I really, truly want all of you to get it in your hands because I think it has the the opportunity to really adjust some of the ways that we live our lives. We put a lot of expectations on ourselves and most of them we can ever meet. And so I want to tackle that here. So the the tagline is kick unrealistic expectations to the curb and rest in God's truth. And that's 
that's an idea that I think is life changing. I think it will alter the way that you go through your life day to day when you can really tackle that. And so I'm super excited about this. Two things I want to let you know. Actually, three. I like three things I want to let you know. The first thing I want to tell you is this, is that you can pre-order this book wherever you're going to get books. And I talk about a lot about this when I have authors on the show and I encourage you to pre-order the book. It really, really, really helps retailers know, hey, this book matters. This book is important. Let's order more of these. And so if you're thinking to yourself, I really want to read Jamie's new book because I can't get it together. Um, if you think you're going to buy it on February 13th, just go ahead and buy it today. I mean, just go ahead and put your information in there. Grab a copy of that book. Um, I do read it on audio. So you can also pre-order the audio book. There's also a Kindle version. So it's out there. If you're like, I don't have the capacity to buy another book, man, I hope that you get in line at the library to check this book out because more than I want you to buy the book, do I want you to read the book. Um, buy one book for your friends and pass it around. Like I literally just think that this book has the, the place and the opportunity to transform parts of your life. And so if you're going to order it, I'd love it if you pre-ordered it. But here's where that leads me to my next thing is I have a launch team going on right now. And launch groups have always been a little kind of weird to me. Like, I've had them before when I've released books, like what are we supposed to do? And really the idea is like, hey, you can help me launch this book. And that is true. Like I'm asking my friends in this group, like, hey, let's do this together. Tell your friends about this book. But also we're gathering every single Wednesday night for a live conversation. So we met last Wednesday on the 17th. It was our first live and it was just beautiful. And it was like 45 minutes. I was answering the questions, but we talked about a verse that God had brought to my attention that week. And I think it was really, really encouraging to the women there. And so we do that every single Wednesday night um, up until the week after the book releases. So there's still time for you to come in and be on our launch team. If you go to jamieivy.com slash book, again, this will be in the show notes. It's super easy for you to join the launch team. The thing we're asking is that you pre-order the book and then you can come join us. We're giving things away. I love giving things away. It makes me feel like Oprah a little bit. Uh, last week, we gave away a jacket from Abel, my favorite denim jacket that I have right now. Uh, we gave away a Stanley mug. Uh, we just have so many things up our sleeve that we're going to be giving away. And because we want it to be fun and we want you to enjoy your time over there and What's more fun than free stuff? I mean, that's what I have to say about that. So come join us. Go to jamieivy.com slash book. The last and final thing that I want to tell you before we get to this amazing conversation with Bree is that my book tour is up and running. Um, tickets are going fast. Uh, there are a handful of events that are super small and kind of intimate. So you want to grab those tickets uh, while you can. If you go to jamieivy.com slash tour, you can get tickets there. I kick off the tour in Northwest Arkansas. I have always loved going up there. Uh, on my very first book that I ever released, I had a really special time in Northwest Arkansas and so fun. And so uh, I'm going to be up there on February 6th. That's a Tuesday night. And then the next day, I'll be doing a tour with my son at University of Arkansas, which is crazy that that's my life. And then on Thursday, February 8th, I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Again, that's a smaller event. Grab your ticket while you can. And then on the 9th, that Friday night, I'll be in Arlington, which is in between Dallas and Fort Worth. And so that's going to be a fun event. And then the 13th, which is the release day, I will be outside of Austin in Dripping Springs, which is where I live. And that's going to be the release night. It's going to be super special. And then on the 15th, that Thursday night, I'm heading up to Waco to my favorite, favorite small bookstore in the state of Texas, Fabled, which is in Waco. And I'll be there on Thursday night. Go to jamieivy.com slash tour. Grab those tickets. Each tour includes a book. Um, we'll have some dessert. A lot of them have coffee and wine to order. And so make it a girl's night. Come out. I'd love, 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 love with everything in me to see you and hug your neck and all the things. But until then, you guys, we have a great show in store for you today. Here is my conversation with my friend, Brie. Hey, Brie, welcome to the happy hour. 
Oh, thank you for having me, Jamie. So excited. We have mutual friends, but this is our first time to meet, which feels sad and awesome all at the same time. So really excited, but I'm so excited that you're on the show today. So would you introduce yourself to my listeners? Yeah. So I'm Brie Clark. Um, I am a journalist, a mom, a wife, a friend, <laughs> all the things. Um, I'm, you know, I would probably describe myself best as just an everyday woman, you know? Um, it. It, yeah. It made it, me think it, of that song. Who sings it? I'm <laughs> everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. Who is that? It's me. Oh Anything gosh, you want done, baby? Yeah. Whitney Houston, but I'm not sure. Let's just yeah, give it to her because Whitney's the best. Okay. Okay. Go I mean, ahead. We might as well. I think it yeah. is. Did she sing that in the bodyguard? Now I'm going to go on a rabbit trail here. Anyhow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> carry on, everyday woman, Brie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's funny. So I am, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not going to pretend that I've been on this earth for forever. But we, my husband and I have loved a lot of life. We've been married for the last 11 years. We have moved 13 times in the last years. We've lived in five different states. Um, we've lost a baby. We've had a baby. We're about to have another baby. And um, just a lot of, there's just been a lot that has happened, mm. jam-packed in our 30 year, more than 30 years of life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I feel blessed in that because I feel like that I can relate to a lot of women. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I have probably two more lifetimes to live um, <laughs> in this season. So I'm just kind of excited to see, to see what that, what that has in store for me. So you know, I love so much that you said, I'm just this everyday woman. And then you listed out all of these things that you have had to endure and that you've gone through and that life has brought your way. And it just got me thinking right off the bat, man, so often we think we're the only ones that might be struggling with fill in the blank, or we're the only ones that's feeling this way. And I love that you just said from the get go, like, I'm just like every other woman and we have been through some things and we will go through, through some things. And I really appreciate that. Okay. I want to start here. There's a couple things. I have a, a list of things I want to talk to you about. So let's see if we can, okay. I'll just check them off my list. Okay. Let me buckle up. All right. <laughs> buckle up. Here we go. Okay. First of all, you're a journalist and that is a super exciting job. Sometimes Brie, sometimes it makes me laugh because I host a podcast people will sometimes give me that title. And I, I want to I say, absolutely not. Uh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't know how bad my grammar is. I do not do things correctly. I'm just over here singing every woman by potentially Whitney Houston on an interview. Okay, I am not a journalist. But I always think that journalists are so cool and so awesome. And so tell me a little bit about your journalism career. Yeah. Well, everything that you think you know about, about it, just like dish that out of your head right now. Okay. Um, it's awful and great at the same time. Because you did TV, I, right? Yeah. So I was a news anchor, news reporter, news anchor. It took me a long time to embrace the term news anchor because they're like the gods to us, you uh-huh. know, <laughs> they, they walk around. But but the, but the truth is, is I was a news anchor and uh, I actually started my career when I was a teenager, I was in college. It was my last semester and I got thrown to the wolves at, at this new station in Houston, Texas. Um, I started as a producer, had no idea what I was doing, um, got cussed out every day because it's a new station. And <laughs> it was, it was, it was a shock. Um, but I do believe that that kind of helped pave the way for all the things that were to come after that. Mm-hmm. So I actually left news right after that job. I had to quit because I was failing all of my last semester classes, I was like, I'm not going to graduate. Um, and my fiance at the time, who's now my husband, 
He's like, yeah, you don't like this. And I was like, I don't like this. Um, And so I left and did PR. We moved to Beaumont, Texas, this little small place. Um, And we were there for a year. And my husband's like, you don't like this either. He's like, I think you need to go back to TV. You you loved telling stories. Mm. So find a place where you can do that. Don't settle, right? So I didn't settle. I looked on on the map and it was like, where's where can I go that I've never been? And Idaho Falls came up. Went to Idaho Falls and was there for two years. And I was their first African-American woman to ever sit on their anchor desk. Wow. In the entire state. Not just the city there, the entire state. The entire and state. So, yes, the entire Dude, state. And this amazing. was 2015. This was, It mm. wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. for, this is 2015. And so um, I loved it because the community, a lot of them had never met a black person before ever in their life. And so for a lot of them, I was the first in person, you know, and they just loved on me. They just Mm -hmm. corralled around me that I was very sad when I had to leave. You know, we moved here to Austin, Texas, and we started our lives and we bounced back and forth. I ended up back in uh, Idaho um, as their main anchor when their main anchor retired. And this was in the midst of COVID, right? (laughs) And that's when journalism changed. And that's why I said Mm -hmm. it's awful and great at the same time. Because all eyes are on you. Mm. you. You, I mean, you, you're able to tell these stories. You're able to reach people that you probably would have never reached before without television. But then there's this pressure. There's this pressure to perform, to be perfect, to look the part. You get everyone's feedback in real time, you know, because now there's social media. So there were times where I had people messaging me while I was, you know, delivering the news, telling me, I don't like the way you sound. I don't like the way you look. I don't like what you're wearing. And then on the flip side of that, you had women going, oh my gosh, girl, I love, you know, what you've done. And so you're getting all these, this feedback, you know? And so, yeah, that's, that's journalism. And then you don't have a cameraman. Everybody thinks, oh, you had a cameraman, you had a makeup person, you had a hair person. No, you do all of that yourself. And so uh, I tell people, I'm like, you have to learn to be a jack of all trades when you're in this industry because you do all of it yourself. Mm, you know, it's funny because I used to dream of be, being a news anchor, but I just wanted to really be like Barbara Walters or Robin Roberts. And I wanted to show up and sit in the chair every day and have someone fix my hair and makeup and then yeah. read a teleprompter. <laughs> That's what I envisioned it being. And then it is not like that at all. You're so no. right. You know, no. I want to ask you, you mentioned something that I think is, um, I, I definitely don't want to use the word epidemic by any means, but this mm-hmm. online conversations that we have and you and I both work in the online space and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and you can connect with people. I mean, the fact that you and I are connecting over the internet right now is just like so kind of God to give us this technology that we can like have a conversation that's going to point people to Jesus. And yet on the flip side, you and I have both been on the other ends of people giving us whatever kind of feedback comments they want to give us at any time of the day. You just talked about how in the middle of a new segment, people could tell you how much they hated you. Yeah. How I have I have two questions for you really. What is your encouragement yeah. for the people who are receiving messages like this? Like how did you handle that? And it this is not just coming to people who have a blue check mark next to their name or who are public mm-hmm. figures. This happens to I don't know anyone online who who does any kind of conversations online that hasn't dealt yeah. with this. What is your encouragement for that woman that is maybe listening to those comments a little too much or believing yeah. them? How, how do you fight that? How did you fight it then? And how do you fight it now? Yeah. Oh, I deal with it better now than I did before. Before the wrong comment at the wrong time would send me into a spiral. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had to learn that my self-worth didn't come from people. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot easier said than done, you yeah. know, because you want 
we want people to like us, right? I I can't tell you how many times I've met a person who's like, I don't care if someone likes me. And I'm like, that's that's a lot of crap, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might not care as much as I do, but yeah. some part of you cares, right? Because we were built to have connection. We were built to be in community. There's safety in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And if I was a caveman and my pack didn't like me, I was going to die, right? Um, it's not quite that way now, <laughs> you know, but we want people to like us. Yeah. And so the way that I deal with it is I... I tell myself that the only person who is going to give me the love that I deserve is me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two people, right? And a lot of those times when I would go on the anger desk, I remember reaching out to this girl on social media. She was my mentor when I was in Houston. She was a pastor's daughter. And I said, do you have any scriptures that you read before you go on air? And she says, of course I do. She's like, I can't believe you don't have any now, Right. And she sent me a couple of those and I would write them down and I would keep them close and I would read them, you know, things that God would say about me, about how I'm beautifully and wonderfully made, how he cares about me, how he loves me, how he has plans for me. Uh, That verse in Jeremiah is one that I love the most, for I know the plans that I have for you, right? And so I had to remember that God had put me in that spot. I don't think I've ever really told anybody this, but I was not the first pick for the anchor desk in Idaho Falls. They actually ran out of time and they needed someone and my name came up and they were like, all right, let's see if she'll move here, right? Um, Because I wasn't first in line. And then when I got there, a lot of people were like, why, why her? And I had to rely on the fact that I knew that Jesus wouldn't have brought my name up if that wasn't where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. He put me on that anchor desk because there was things that he wanted me to say. There was things that he wanted people to see and there was things he wanted me to see. Mm-hmm. And I think the main reason I was there was for him to teach me that my self-worth only comes from him, mm. that it only comes from me and us together and that I have to find that love. And so that's what I would tell anyone who's on social media because um, you're going to get them. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't gotten them yet, you're going to get someone who says something that you don't like that hits you wrong. And you have to have that foundation of I am who I am. I know who I am and I love who I am, right? And if you're still in the process of finding that and loving who you are, keep at it. Mm. It's going to come. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, because I, I know that I felt like, man, I sort of beating myself up. I'm like, why don't, why do I care so much? You know, Mm -hmm. that was my thing. It wasn't always the messages. It was like, why do I care so much? Mm -hmm. And eventually I was like, I got to stop beating myself up about this. This is going to take some time. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to unlearn some things Mm -hmm. and, and learn that God loves me and that Mm -hmm. I am, that he made Brie Clark Mm -hmm. and Brie Clark is here despite all the odds, because there was a time where I didn't think I was going to be here. And I am. I'm here. Um, And so I had to lean into that. And I'll tell people to lean into that. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. 
Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I worked in radio for a hot second uh, in 2011. And, um, radio, you know, they can't see you, but we, we, we live in a social media age and stuff. And so, and this was, you know, 13 years ago or whatever. And I remember one day my husband came home from work and I was in our bedroom and I was reading all the comments under a blog about the show that morning. And there were some really neat, there were some really (laughs) mean comments about me, you know? And so I'm just sitting there reading them and I'm bawling. Like I literally am bawling. And Aaron, he, he literally was like, I don't understand. You keep doing the same thing and the same results keep happening. Like, why do you still read these? Because every time you start crying and I'm like, I know, but I can't help it. I keep coming back. And so I too have had to grow a lot of thick skin. And I I like to tell people, man, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't type it. Like that is just like, a little social media etiquette is like so many times you're like, oh, I'm just going to tell them what I want to tell them. But if you wouldn't look at Bree or myself or your friend or your neighbor or, or your pastor or, or your pastor's wife or whoever and say it to their face, then it's a good little reminder like, oh, maybe I don't need to type this either as well. Um, okay. So I know that you are not doing um, anchoring anymore. Is that what it's called? Anchoring? Yeah. I'm um, not a anchor anymore. You're not a news anchor anymore, but you're doing your own thing. And so I want you to talk to us about what led you to start your own thing. Yeah. So actually the conversation we just had about all those things mm. coming at me, um, I learned the term imposter syndrome um, when I was doing news anchor. It was before, it's way before it became this hot button yeah. uh, word or phrase that we all hear now, right? Um, everybody's like, oh, imposter syndrome, and half the people have it wrong, <laughs> and half the people are, are well, trying to figure out if straight. they have it. I want to, I want to know what yeah. you learned and what what it means to you. Yeah. yeah. So, imposter syndrome is, if I were just boil boil it down, it is the inability for someone to acknowledge their accomplishments. Right? It's oh, I'm lucky, or um, they just like me, or they're gonna find out that I'm not as smart as, you know, they think I am, those are kind of some of those things, or I'm just not good enough, right? I'm not good enough and I'm never going to be good enough, but I'm going to try my, try my best, right? Um, until they, they burn out. And so towards the end of me anchoring and me battling with some of these thoughts of why am I not better at this? And now I know I was pretty good at it. Um, I was approached to, to do a talk show. Someone said, Hey, what, how do you, think about doing a talk show. 
And I thought, who am I to have a talk show? What am I going to talk about? You know, no one wants to see me. I don't have anything to say. I'm just this small town news anchor. Right. And so my husband and I talked about it a little bit more. And I said, you know, I'm not sure. And he says, you know, you're suffering from imposter syndrome, you know, and I'm like, you're right. You know, and I said, you know what, that, that's what the show has to be about. If we do the show, it has to be about imposter syndrome, right? And mm-hmm. so I went and started, you know, talking to my friends about it, making it seem like it was just an idea. But we were already in the works. I'm like, what do you think? Uh-huh. Like if I did the show, expecting them to not be excited or to be like, eh, yeah, that might be nice. But they were all excited. So I'm like, oh, now I have to do it. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, and I kept putting all these these blockers in the way. It's like, okay, well, I have this idea. If I can come up with a plan, I'll do it. Came up with a plan. Okay, well, if I can find a team of people to help me, which I didn't need, <laughs> I'll do it, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I can read all these books and find out all this research beforehand, then I'll do it. If we can find a space, we'll do it. And then it's the day of a sh- filming the show. And it's like, well, I guess we're doing this, right? Here we go. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. And so the main goal behind the show was to let other people know that this was a thing that they're not just dealing with depression or anxiety or PTSD or or some of those other things, while those may well be factors in their lives. For some of them, it boils down to imposter syndrome. It's you're not depressed and sad and tired because of that. It's you're burnt out because you're trying to prove yourself and everyone around you wrong. Mm. Um, Or it's society has told you that you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. And you're trying to prove them wrong and you're tired and you're sad and you're exhausted, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to to have the show to make people aware. And we wanted to interview people like me and um, these therapists and Jeff Jenkins, who has his own show now on Nat Geo. Um, some of these very successful people who are in the limelight, who you would think, oh, they're so confident. They never, right. you know, they never have a bad day. They, they got it going on uh-huh. and show them no. We're a mess, just like you were a mess. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we aren't capable. That doesn't mean that our accomplishments aren't our own. It just means that we're all a mess and we all need each other and we need to talk about it um, and navigate life leaning on one another. And so that's really what the show was to bring awareness about this phenomenon and, and help people understand that this might be what you're dealing with and kind of help them find freedom in that. That's so interesting because I too think I would have defined imposter syndrome differently than what you said. Mm -hmm. Let me think about how I would have thought. I would have thought that imposter syndrome was, well, maybe exactly what you said now that I think about it. But I think I would have thought like that I don't think I can be what I am. So I try to be something else. But that's not what you're saying at all. Yeah. And that is what people think it is. And it's, yeah. Okay. So a lot of people, I remember talking to someone about the show and she's like, well, why not just be yourself? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not, not being yourself. It's you trying to be a hundred and 10% yourself to the point where you have nothing left of you to give. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's you looking the best that you can look. It's you speaking the best that you can speak. It's you doing the most work that you can do to prove that you are who you are. Mm. And that is what imposter syndrome is. It's 
it's it's not putting on this mask. And so, um, and and it's funny, in a lot of the show, we talked about unmasking imposter syndrome to, to, to let people know that, you know, it's it's not something that you put on and you walk around with. It's you embracing the fact that you are the real deal. And that's how we came up, mm-hmm. for, up for the name for the show. The real deal is you embracing that you are the real deal, that you've accomplished all these things and it was you. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't by mistake. And so so that's why <laughs> we came out with the show because there were a lot of these misconceptions of people saying, stop, stop faking it. Mm. Just be you. But imposter syndrome is you thinking that you're faking it. You thinking that you're a fraud. Um, and, and that's just not the case. Okay, this is good. And it's making me think that you I mean, a bunch of putting a bunch of pieces together, puzzles together from our conversation. You said you started discovering this yeah. when you were in um, Idaho and you were uh, the news anchor. Yes. And you mm-hmm. said two things so far that made me think that this is what you discovered about yourself. First, you told me the story oh. how you were um, not their first choice. And then mm-hmm. very flippantly in one of the things that you were saying about that, you said, and then I discovered that I actually was good at my job. And yeah. I wonder if that was your journey while you were there of of working so hard to prove that you were good and at the end going, oh, I actually, I am good at this. Is that part oh, yeah. of your journey? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the you issue see how is, I put all those together? Brie, yeah. look at me. I got imposter I mean, syndrome down. You're doing it. You're doing <laughs> it. We're going to have to have you on the show. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. But but in all reality, like that is a big jump though. And I know people are listening yeah. going, okay, that's awesome. But how did you get from that jump yeah. of I'm scared. I'm moving up here. Oh, I don't even think I was their first choice. I'm the first black woman yeah. that's ever anchored this desk. Oh my gosh, what do I do? To then getting to where you're like, I actually am really good at this. And I was the best person yeah. for this job. How'd you get there? It was a long, struggling, killing process that I'm still kind of going through. Um, So, I mean, it started with me just acknowledging it, realizing, hey, because it's not you not being confident, right? It's it's an inconsistency of confidence Mm. because you have to. I had to have confidence just to get on that anchor desk. Okay, I like that. It's not a lack of confidence. It's inconsistent confidence. Yes. And so I had to have the confidence to get up there and do what I was doing. So it's not that I didn't, I just thought, oh, you're crap from the beginning. That wasn't the the case. It was, I had these reoccurring moments where I was unsure, where there was doubt. And to put it plainly for for our listeners, these are lies from the enemy. Mm. You know, I tell people, think of it that way, because I mean, I can say it's imposter syndrome all day long. I can say it's doubt. I can say it's low, 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 low self-esteem. But at the end of the day, it's lies from the enemy, the enemy stopping you from trying to to complete your purpose. And so my purpose was to be there for whatever reason God wanted me to be there. And the enemy wanted to get me off of that anchor desk. What better way to do it than to make me think that I am not good at my job, that I am not a news anchor, that I cannot do this, right? And so I had to fight those messages and I wish I could sit here and say I fought those messages with scripture and praying and meditation, but that's not exactly what happened. It was me surrounding myself with people who knew me, who knew the facts, who were constantly telling me, hey, Bree, you've done this. You've done this for, at that time, nine years. Hmm. You know, how could you possibly think that you're not qualified to do this? Look at all these emails, these positive emails that you've gotten from the community. Look at all these stories that you've done. Look at how you not only have you been here since 5 a.m., but you put this whole package together by yourself. You can run this, you know, you can run the switchboard, <laughs> you know, if you want it to. 
how could you possibly think that you're not good enough to do this? Right. Mm. My husband was a big part of that. Him speaking life into me and and having me doubt my doubts mm. often and saying, no, I know you. And it's not just because I love you and I wouldn't waste my time or set you up to for failure by telling you that you were great at something that you weren't. Right. Mm. Um, he's very honest like that. <laughs> you know, he'll tell me if something's not clicking. And so it was me trusting the people around me that loved me, that cared about me. Um, and stopping my brain from twisting their words mm. and saying, oh, they're just saying that because they love me. Oh, they're just saying that because they're my friend. Oh, I just got lucky. Oh, they just needed something. No one is desperate enough to put up with someone who isn't going to help them accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. Mm. And so that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, you got that job because they needed you to have that job, right? Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how desperate they were. If you can't do the job, they're not going to make money. They wouldn't hire you, right? Mm. Um, those types of things. And I had to acknowledge the root where it came from. Mm. Where did this lie start? You know, where, where did I, because it wasn't just a, with jobs. You know, it wasn't just with my career. It was with every aspect of my life. It was with my relationships where I'm thinking, Brie, you're not good enough or you're not doing enough or you're not, you know. So I had to go back and see when did this start and why did this start? Who spoke this over me? Mm. Who spoke these word curses over me? And what mm. do I need to do to break those? Mm. And it was a long process of going back and forth and battling and just having bad days where nothing worked. And then having good days where I'm like, you know what? No, I can do this. And all those good days, I wrote everything down. I write everything down. Not, and I'm not saying j journaling because I know some people don't like to journal. I don't either. <laughs> but I would just jot down list of facts. What did I accomplish today? Mm. Or what did I accomplish this week if it wasn't, you know, that day? Mm -hmm. You know, and what does this say about, about me? You know? Not just, hey, I was able to organize my household. No, it's that God made me this homemaker. He gave me this home to take care of because he knew that I could take care of this home and that nobody else could do this the way that I'm doing it, right? Mm -hmm. That no one can wife my husband the way that I wife my husband, right? Mm -hmm. Like those types of things. And so it, it took a long time of having hearing these messages reprogramming my brain, unlearning some of these lies that I had been telling myself and hearing my entire life to get to where I am now. And I still haven't completely arrived. There's still days where I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but that does not mean that I'm not, you know, on the right path. Right. Mm -hmm. And so anybody who's thinking that, you know, you're going to have this, this is, a, this is work. It's hard work. I love that you said that because it is hard work. And I would say that I could think of some areas of my life that I have struggled with that more than others. And I would say that in different seasons, different things come up and lies get louder or softer depending on what's going on. And I love that you said that you need it in community. You need people surrounding you who are going to remind you what is true. I think that our community that we have around us, it is massive for our growth. It's massive for our continuing to to love and serve the Lord. It is really, really, really important. Okay. So your show, The Real Deal, where can they find it? How yes. many seasons? All the things. Yeah. So there's two seasons. Uh, they each have eight episodes. They can find it on YouTube. That's where we are mainly uh, there. And I am 
if you all are sleeping on YouTube, I need you all to wake up. <laughs> let's you know, go. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Well, because it's the way things are going. As a news anchor, I will tell you that it's the way things are going. Um, with all the streaming services and everything, just you go to YouTube. The so YouTube yeah. is where, where my show is. You can also find more resources on our website, and that's breeplugtv.com, Bree with one E. Um, and, and there you can just read more about each person that we have on the show and what they have to offer. Um, because each one of them, they either have a practice or they have books or they have something um, that can help you get more insight because I just don't want, I don't want you listening to me all day. I have a limited, you know, capacity of knowledge. Yeah, there are yeah. much smarter people than me um, who we had on the show that, that can tell you all about not just imposter syndrome, but dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with in life um, that I'm sure you can get some nuggets to help you along the way. I love that so much. And I know one of your guests that you've had on is a mutual friend of ours, um, Jen Jet Barrett, who runs yes. Camp Well. And I actually attended the very first Camp Well that there ever was. I think it was in 2015, maybe, or 2016. I can't remember. It was, that feels like a lifetime ago. I'm going to be quite yeah. honest with you. But um, <laughs> I know you've attended Camp Well as well. And you said that a little bit of your story kind of came from your time there. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So, between season one and season two, there wouldn't be a season two if there wasn't a camp well. Okay, so, I love that. Yes. So I so season one, I had just left, you know, the news industry for good for good. I'm like, you know what? It's uh -huh. time for me to focus on my family. I was traveling from Oklahoma to Texas every week. I was exhausted. And my son was like, you don't live with us. And so <laughs> we started this TV show. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I felt like the height of my life. I'm like, I'm doing this thing, this big thing, I'm doing it. And then this big thing, we shot all the episodes, everything was put together and we were just releasing them. And I'm like, now what? Mm. Now what do I do? Because I had been running for the last decade. And it's like, what do I do now? I don't, I don't have to run and get on my, I don't have to go have deadline. I don't go on the air. My son, he's now going to school. So he's not at home. What am I doing? What is my purpose? What is this? What is the point of all this? Um, and so I got invited to go to Campwell. Um, actually, Taylor Nichols, another one of my mutual friends, she had been trying to get me to go for years. And she says, you need to go. And I said, OK, I'm going to go. This is going to be fun. And I actually almost backed out a week before Campwell. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get in my Jeep and I'm going to drive all the way from Texas to Colorado Springs. And um, that you know, is the no big dirt joke road. there, Bree. Yes. <laughs> I needed some time. I needed yeah, some time did. in the car. I was like, I got to prepare myself. <laughs> well, it was a great drive. I loved it until the last 30 minutes, you know, that little cliff that you drive on. Uh -huh. And I was like, I have been set up. Like, Jesus, you have set me up because I'm on this cliff. If I make one wrong turn, I'm going to fall off. I'm going to, and I don't, I don't know how far I have to go because I don't uh -huh. no longer have cell service. You lose service out there. Yes. yes. So I'm like, I'm on the side of the cliff for how long? And if another car comes my way, I'm going to die because this road is as wide as, you know, the Jeep. And that was the whole process there during Capwell was trusting him, trusting him with, some hard conversations about my past, some hard conversations about what my future was going to look like and me not realizing that I needed rest and that I did not know what rest was. I thought rest was sleeping, you know, mm -hmm. and sleeping made me feel lazy. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, if I'm asleep, you know, because all of my purpose came from doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I'm not doing something that I am worthless, which is the furthest from the truth, that is what I thought. 
And so I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm worthless. And the women at the retreat and Jesus just met us. He just met mm-hmm. us there. And he he told me things that I had never heard. I thought, no one cares. And I got this sweet, sweet, and in, in our interview season two, episode one, we talk about this. I got this sweet um, letter from my niece because, you know, they give us letters. And my niece actually sent it in a form of a text message. She didn't even know us at Camp Lowell, but she sent it that same night that we got letters oh, wow. from people who, who love us. And it's a niece that, uh, she's my niece-in-law. I only see her on holidays, maybe. And it was her telling me how much she just felt like I saw her. Mm. And I didn't even th- think this girl even cared anything about me, you know, other than, oh, that's Ambry, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. that I see on holidays. And she, you know, out of all her aunts, she's just like, you you just make me feel seen. Mm. And I feel like you're very genuine, right? And my whole show is about being the real deal. And here's my niece who cares about me. And I didn't know, like, just didn't know. Yeah. And so I started to think how many more people are there like that in the world that just me existing is important for them. Mm. Right. Um, who might be devastated if I wasn't here or devastated if I just wasn't breathing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I learned at the retreat, like we get just so caught up in what we're doing that we forget that just our presence of mm-hmm. us being is important. And so for season two, we talked about imposter syndrome, but I really wanted to talk about some other things, some deep rooted things, talking talking about my history with depression, talking about my trauma of losing our first child, talking about moving, talking about our rocky marriage that we had the first five years, um, and just all those things in between, and just bringing some of those real life issues into the conversation as well. And so that is what you know, happened with season two and it wouldn't have been a thing and I wouldn't have had the courage to do the thing without Campwell. I love that so much. Campwell, I know, has been just monumental in so many women's lives that I know. And I love the work that Jen's doing over there. And and um, I, I love hearing that story of how your niece texted you and how you, how that how that showed you. Now, this is coming out in January. Full disclosure, we are recording this in September. So listen, yes. We're like speaking into the future here. We don't even know what's going to be happening in January, but we are just speaking into the future. But we do know that right now you are with child. Okay. So when when this show comes out, you have a newborn baby at your house. So how are you going to record season three? Yeah, we've been trying to figure that out. You know, (laughs) we have, I, you know, I thought about doing it just, you know, in my second trimester. Like, What if I just film it now? Yeah, you know, and everybody's like, "Oh, that'd be so cute—the big belly and all that." And I was just like, "You know, I just—I—I I don't have the brain space to uh-huh. do any of that right now, uh, like I thought." And so we are planning on shooting season three or releasing it in the spring, you know. And so we—I'm just hoping that everything works out. I hope that she uh, is just a very chill baby. My son was not. Um, so we have just been <laughs> speaking it into existence. We're like, well, oh, the truth is, so Brie, chill. if your son was not chill, whatever happens is probably going to feel more chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So you're grown. Yes. It's probably going to work out. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're going to have it. We're having a little girl. Um, and she was very much a surprise. We prayed really hard for our son. Um, we didn't pray hard at all for this. This was just a bonus gift that Jesus was like, here you go. Six years yeah. later. 
And so we're, we're, we thought we were done and we're not. So here we are. I love it so much. Well, I'm super excited about your show and thanks for breaking down imposter syndrome. I'm probably going to find myself thinking about that more today because it's just different than I imagined. And it makes a lot of sense with yeah. how we live our lives like that. And, and we really don't allow ourselves to live up to our full potential or to believe that we have this full potential even, you know, to, yeah. to not believe in it. Um, I'd love to hear from you. What are you reading these days? I am currently reading Oprah's book. She did a collaboration on what happened to you. With Dr. Um, Bruce Perry? Yes, yes. So I'm so reading good. That. Yeah, I'm late to get to the game. I started reading it and then I put it away and then I'm like, let me just bring this back out. So um, I'm reading that right now and it's actually giving me a lot of insights. It talks a lot about imposter syndrome in there as well. So, so there you go. That's what we're doing. Let me tell you, if you're finding it hard to read, I don't know if you are or not by any means, but I listen yeah. to it on Audible. I'm a big in the car and on walks. I like to listen to things a lot. And Oprah and him read it. And often it sounds like a podcast. And so it was super oh, easy okay. to listen to because they kind of go back and forth with some things. I loved that book so much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Well, Bree, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just, I'm excited. We're going to do this. We're going to stay friends. I love it. <laughs> The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley.